A date which will live in infamy. Both of those projects, initiatives, got off the ground because of the Gare out of the 24 who were killed were Americans who had come to learn in Kevin. I say one million Jewish children who were made to be cut in Whoever heard such beautiful words, It is never too little, it is never too late, and it is never enough. Jewish History Soundbites, bringing alive the world of our glorious past. Here is our host, live from Jerusalem, Jewish historian and tour guide, Yehuda Geberer. To Jewish History Soundbites. This is Yehudi Geber with another episode of Jewish History Soundbites. And this episode has been generously sponsored by Callaway Capital, a boutique firm for all your commercial mortgage needs to discuss debt equity or chas v'shalom, a workout of an existing loan in this turbulent time. Call 732-232-6212 or email david at callawaycap.com. That's C-A-L-L-O-W-A-Y-C-A-P dot com. And um, this episode will talk a little bit about the the, uh, the great Jewish center of Warsaw and the different uh, rabbinical figures who either passed through the town or lived in the town or were, town, city, or were rabbis of the city. And that will get us into um, a little bit of the heart of Polish Jewry during the 19th and 20th centuries. We'll start off by saying that um, for many, many times I've gone on a street in Yerushalayim um, called Rehov Zayit Ra'anan, or Zayis Ranon, as the Saratskin uh, crowd calls it. And um always wondered who, where did this, you know, this name come from? And, you know, in, in, in between Rehov Saratskin and, and the Ezra Tyra neighborhood, and is this um, street, Zayas Ran, until I found out that it's named after a great Polish rabbi um, who wrote a sefer called the Zayas Ranan. And his name was Ramayshi Yehuda Leib Zilberberg. And he moved from Kutna, where he was the rabbi um, in the 18th century, and moved to the 19th century, and moved to Har, moved to Yerushalayim, buried in Harazesim, and he was actually supported by the original David Yellen, um, the the first one, the grandfather of the more famous uh, David Yellen, and a pillar from David Yellen's house, which he had given him a room to have a base medrash in, is uh, serves as his tombstone in Harazesim. So that's also an interesting thing. And it turns out that this Zilberberg. Was the was the patriarch of a whole uh, family of Polish rabbis, many of whom uh, were later on in the Warsaw Rabbinate. So that brings us into 
the Warsaw Rabbinate. And, uh, you know, Warsaw is one of my favorite cities on the trips that we'll hopefully get back to soon, as soon as this whole um, craziness is over. And um, you go through the, the uh, you know, Warsaw is a major city. It's a capital city of Poland. And it was the center of Jewish life. It was the, the uh, you know, like comparable today to New York, Brooklyn, or Yerushalayim you know, the center of the Jewish world in, in, in every sense. And um, and today, you obviously don't see it. It was completely decimated uh, during the war. And of course, since today is the 75th anniversary of Hitler's suicide, so just mention, of course, how the decimation of the Holocaust uh, in, in a place like uh, Warsaw, um, which was, you know, almost total. And... And there's nothing left. So you go into the Warsaw Jewish Cemetery, the Yakupava Jewish Cemetery, which in those days was known as the Gensha Jewish Cemetery, because it really depended on which uh, side uh, the street and where the which street the entrance was from. In those days, it was on Gensha Street, and today it's on Yakupava Street. But that's less important for our narrative. But when you go through there, the Warsaw Jewish Cemetery, you see. This massive cemetery, which the only place in the world that has a bigger one is Harmanuchas in Yerushalayim, or perhaps Harazesim as well. But otherwise, it's the largest Jewish cemetery in the world. And you walk through there, and you're walking through the glory of Jewish Warsaw. And you see the diversity of the community, and the, all the different types of leaders, religious leaders, secular leaders, the simple people, religious Jews, less traditional, the Yiddish theater, the every type of imaginable Jew in a great urban center that Warsaw was. And um, the first section that we bump into uh, on, a, on, a, on a tour of, uh, of the Warsaw Jewish Cemetery is the, the section of the rabbis of Warsaw, the Chelkas Harabonim. And that's right, right, you hit it right when you come in. And this we go back to the early 1800s with the rise of Warsaw as a major Jewish center. For many years, the Jews were not even allowed to live in Warsaw. Um, in the 1400s, they were there, but then since it was a crown city, they were no longer allowed to live there. They were only allowed to live across the Vistula River in an area known as Praga. And uh, today it's already, Praga is part of the city. It's a whole section of the city, the famous Warsaw Zoo, which played a role during the war also is in Praga, and in fact, in one of my uh, groups, I brought I brought the group uh, to an ice skating rink, let them have a little off time in an ice skating rink in Praga, in Warsaw, and I told them that the Gera Hasidim used to skate here back in the day, and one guy on the tour said, well, my grandfather was an Alexander Hasid, so I don't want to go ice skating here. Well, you know, I was joking, there was no uh, ice skating rink at the time, so I, have, I had to explain that to him, and then he you know, was able to go. Uh, so in the Jews did live in Praga. In fact, it was a major Jewish community there till the, till the war. Menachem Zembo was famous as the Dav Bezdin in Warsaw, who was killed during the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, was actually the rabbi in the Praga section of Warsaw. But eventually the Jews were allowed to um, uh, move back into Warsaw proper, and they formed the Jewish community in the beginning of the 19th century. In fact, the Jewish historian Dr. Emanuel Ringelblum wrote his doctorate on the Warsaw Jewish community in, in Warsaw University uh, in the interwar period uh, when, he, uh, when he was a young, budding historian before he became famous. 
in any event, the um, so they become a proper community, and people are flocking there. It's obviously a center of commerce and business, and the, the famous uh, Jewish uh, businessman Berke Bergson, um, who lived there at the time, and he buys the original plot for the Jewish cemetery, and they hire a chief rabbi. So this is the beginning of the Warsaw Rabbinate. They hire a fellow by the name of Reb Shleim Zalman Lifshitz, who's later famous by the Sefer that he wrote, the Chemdas Shleima. And he's a powerful leader of the Warsaw community, he really builds it up. He's succeeded by Reb Chaim Davidson. And uh, all these people are buried all right next to each other in the Chelkas Harabonim, the rabbi section of the area. So we go through their whole story there. Now he's followed by a very interesting character named Reb Ber Meisels. And he was known and famous for being a Polish patriot. He, uh, during the Polish uprising, in, he was first a rabbi in Krakow, later on in Warsaw, but during the Polish uh, uprising against Tsarist rule after the partition of the Polish kingdom, so a large chunk of the former kingdom, the Commonwealth, was taken over by, uh, by, Tsar, by the Romanos, by Tsarist Russia, and there was several revolts in 1832 and 1861, and um, and each time it was crushed pretty cruelly. So Rabdaev Bermeisels was famous as a Polish patriot. He rallied the the Jews to go for Polish uh, independence and to fight for it and to join the ranks of of the fighters. And he he uh, he you know, and he was known for it. And that also um, was uh, a part of his legacy. So he's an interesting figure also. And he's. Uh, it was the rabbi in Warsaw, and he's followed by another uh, uh, controversial figure at the time. Um, today, his svarim are very popular, Rabbi Yankiv Gesundheit, which is a great name, one of the best last names of all time. Um, it's, you know, if we would translate into English, it would be Rabbi Yankiv, God bless you, be to good health. And he... He was the he was a wealthy businessman. He was a tremendous Talmud Chacham, and he wrote Sfarim to Pharisee Yaakov and a couple of Masechtas. People use them today, but at the time he was he was um, reflected the changing Jewish community in Warsaw, um, which was becoming more and more Hasidish. It's the center of Poland, and until now, all the rabbis had been non-Hasidic, or some of them were more sympathetic to Hasidism, like Rabbi David Meisel's. But Rabbi Yaakov Gesundheit was actually a misnagin, and this was his second attempt at becoming the rabbi. He tried earlier, and it didn't work out. There was friction between the Hasidim and the non-Hasidim in uh, in uh, in who's going to run the Warsaw Jewish community at this point. And it's a very dynamic situation. It's a transition period of time. By the way, the same thing happened. With, well, we'll get back to the Zilberbergs, but the through the generations they became slowly more and more Hasidish and part of the mainstream. Uh, um, in in what was becoming a very Hasidish community in Warsaw. So when he, when Ryakuzuntait is removed from the rabbinical post after a bunch of years, that is somewhat the end of the official Warsaw rabbinate. There's afterwards, there's all kinds of rabbis in Warsaw. It was like Feigenbaum, who was already Hasidish, Kotzker, and uh, and other and other um, and other uh, rabbis who were either the Avbezdin or an unofficial rabbi, or this type of rabbi, or a rabbi of this community, or this neighborhood, but not an official chief rabbi of Warsaw, and thus it remained, which was common in the great urban centers of Eastern Europe. It was very hard when the Jewish population grew so much to have one figure who the entire city, 
In the smaller towns it was easier, but eventually most of the big cities did not have one single chief rabbi. It was, it was just too hard to sustain that. And as the urbanization of the Jewish people, they, you know, they left the shtetls and they moved to the big cities. So the big cities uh, had fewer and fewer chief rabbis as time went on. That was the case. The most famous case was obviously in Vilna, but it eventually became that way in, uh, in, uh, in Ludge and in other places as well. So, in fact, they, they offered, in the, in the interwar period, they offered the chief rabbinate of Warsaw to Mayor Shapiro, uh, from one who was the Rashiva in Lublin, the Rav in Lublin, and the Lublin Rav, and, and uh, he turned it down, it's a whole story. But um, they were going to revive the old office of the chief rabbinate just for him, that's how popular he was. So, the, the, that's how, that's how uh, the, the rabbinate is, is evolving. And and Polish Hasidus is becoming very rooted in Warsaw. Ger was the most, and the reason is because Ger was more Warsaw than Ger itself was, than the town of Ger, Gara Kalavria, which is a suburb of Warsaw, just to the south of the city. But the Chidushi Arim himself lived most of his life in Warsaw. He was known as the Varshava Ilui, or Bitsakmeyer Alter, who he only changed his name to Alter later on in life, but he was known as the genius of Warsaw, and he studied there, and he was close with many of the great rabbis of Warsaw, and he was one of the biggest uh, Torah scholars in all of Poland at the time. And, um, and, he, um, and he moved to Ger only at the end of his life, so the Hasidus was mainly in Warsaw, but, um, but Sachachev was there, the Kuzmir Zvalin dynasty, the Taubes, which was a Majit, was a branch of that, was there in Warsaw. Kutsk, Sokolov, Strykiv, a lot of the, the, the real heart of Polish Hasidus was there. Now, one of the early, early character, uh, um, great uh, Torah leaders who ended up in Warsaw towards the end of his life was the Maharal Tzins, who in his days, he was known as Reblebish Chorif, the sharp Reblebish. And this Reblebish was the Rav in, in, um, in Plotsk, the Plotsker Rav, and a bunch of other cities. He, he was, uh, made his rounds. And in his later years, he moved to Warsaw. He was surrounded. He was one of the biggest uh, Talmud Chachamim, and so he dabbled in Kabbalah and in every area of Tyra. He was a prolific writer. In fact, uh, he he left uh, famously left as a sgula. He left, and he asked that it be inscribed on his tombstone. We actually see it, the original tombstone. When we go, he's buried in that same area, even though he was not an official rabbi in Warsaw. But uh, that anyone who prints or helps print his farim um, will uh, will merit that he'll uh, he'll put in a good word for him up there. So he wrote on everything. He had an, a tremendous amount of writing. And one of his talmidim was Rabbi Yankiv Gazuntai, who I mentioned. One of his talmidim was also the Chidush Arim, and he was a rebbe of the next generation of of Warsaw Jewry. So if we go back to the Zayis Ranan who was a Rav in Kutna, and he leaves for Eretz Yisrael. His son, Rav Ram Binyamin Zilberberg, he becomes a Dayan. He becomes a rabbinical a judge in Warsaw, and he's sort of like a rabbi there, uh, one of them. And, uh, and, and he lives out his, his, the rest of his life there. But the one who achieved the most fame as a rabbi in Warsaw was his son, Rav Chaim Yaakov Naftali Zilberberg, who, because he was a rabbi in Virshov, near Warsaw, for a period of time, he was known as Rabnaftali Virshover. And it's really through his story that we get to see 
um, what, what Warsaw Jury was all about at that time. Because he was close with the whole entire world. He, he, he made it, he made it around and he was with the Hasidim, with the Litvaks. He, um, as a young man, he had become close with, I'm not even sure how he did it because, because I have to figure out the years, but he was close with the Bistral Salanter. Uh, how many Polish rabbis were close to the Bistral Salanter? Either zero or very few. And, uh, and Rebistrol's son, to the best of my knowledge, didn't even come around to Warsaw. That means he must have gone to him at some point. But it, he, it appears in his writings that he was very close with him and he adopted uh, the Musser movement in his own life. He implemented it and, and probably the first one to do so in the middle of Hasidish Poland. And not only that, but he even traveled to Slabotka later on to to be there for Yom Neraim, he was close to the Rebitzel of Blazer, Rebitzel of Petterberger, who was the student of Rebitzel Salanter, and he used to go to hear him uh, give shmuzin, imagine uh, traveling all the way to Lita, but he was known uh, during his time, Mr. Naftali Vershever, as the Chafetz Chaim of Warsaw. That's how, that's how famous he was, and I guess that's how, um, that's how Litvish he seemed, even for a Polish rabbi. Now, he was close with the, the big rabbis of the area. He was very close with the Svasemes. He used to travel to him, he used to go down to Ger, and then later on with the Imre Ames, the Ger Rebbe, and the Avni Nezer of Sachachov. Um, and he devoted his life to many different uh, endeavors. Um, one of the people who he studied under in his youth was the Beis Halevi, right? Beis of Dave, Halevi Salavechik, who actually lived in Warsaw for a period of time. After the Beis Halevi left um, Valazhin during after his dispute with the Nitziv, so the Beis Halevi ended up in Warsaw. There was another uh, uh, figure there, Reb Itchik Grzynski, whose son, Reb Avram Grzynski, was later the Mashgiach in Slabatka. So Reb Itchik Grzynski was a great builder of Torah uh, institutions in Warsaw, mainly serving the non-Hasidic community and the yeshivas and, a, and, a, and an elementary school and all kinds of uh, devoted his life to it. And, and the base Alevi stayed, uh, was a guest by Rebitcher Grzynski for a period of time while he was in Warsaw. And it was probably during that time that, um, that, uh, Rebbe Naftali Vershever was able to get a connection to the base Alevi. And he later becomes a Rav and a Dayan in Warsaw, this Rebbe Naftali. He was famous throughout Poland for being the uh, ideal person to have a Din Taira by, to, you know, to, to solve the hard cases that came before the great leaders of Poland, he was, um, in fact, he was involved in a historic case. It was later on, another person he was close with, he maintained his connections to the Soloveitchik family by being very close with Reb Chaim Brisker, the Besalevi's son. And Reb Chaim Brisker, in his last months of his life, he was seeking medical treatment in Warsaw, and he was staying in Otwotsk, which was a resort suburb uh, of uh, of Warsaw, just to the southeast, and he died right at the end of World War One. And now there's a big fight where Chaim is going to be buried. Where are we going to bury him? Should we bury him in Atvatsk, which has its own uh, Jewish cemetery? Should his town of Brisk, which is not that far away, but kind of a bit of a distance, and especially in the chaotic post World War One time? Or should they bury him in Warsaw? Now, why should they bury him in Warsaw? There was his, his first of all, a more prominent Jewish cemetery, and also his wife's grandfather, the Nitziv of Alajan, 
also spent his last months of his life there and was buried there. Then it's if after Valajan was closed down in the winter of 1892. So he went to fundraise to cover the debts of the yeshiva, and his plan was eventually to come to Eretz Yisrael, and he ends up dying in Warsaw. Actually, when he was sick in his last weeks, so the the doctors told him not to fast on Shavasar or Batamas. And then it said, no, I want to fast. You don't want to listen to the doctors, which is, you know, a topic that comes up today in, in today's context. But um, they came to this very same Rabbi Naftali Vershever, who was a much younger rabbi at the time, and they said, you should... You're the only one here in Warsaw who can influence the Nitziv that he has to listen to the doctors and not fast on Shabbat Shabbatamas. So he went and told the Nitziv that you have to eat, you're not allowed to fast, you're not doing well. So the Nitziv eventually died in Warsaw and is buried there. And the Warsaw Jewish community, many years later, when Reb Chaim had died, they said, let's bury him next to his wife's grandfather, the two Rebbeim from Valazhin. And Rabbi Naftali Vershever was the Dayan on this Bezdin, along with the Radzina Rebbe and a couple of other people. And, and they paskin that he should be buried in Warsaw, not in Atvatsk and not in Brisk, next to his father, the Beis Alevi. So he's involved in that also. And um, he devotes his life to um, writing, uh, editing many svarim of Rabbi Kiva Eger. He had a love for Rabbi Kiva Eger's Torah and of the Maral since, and Reb Leib that's how he referred to it in his writings, and he was the one who started putting out the Swarm, that was an endeavor that was continued by his grandson, Rav Ram Binyamin Zilberberg, who was also a Rav in Warsaw later on, but he moved in the 1930s to Pittsburgh, became the rabbi in Pittsburgh, and continued for the rest of his life to putting out the Maral since's Swarm. So the the project of putting out Reb Leib Shcharif's uh, Swarm out was a was almost exclusive to the Zilberberg family and their initiative and their hard work. And they also, the different generations of them, wrote uh, comments on the Maral Sins's Svarim and, and uh, incorporated um, it into the footnotes and added it on and, uh, and, and really made it accessible to everyone. Now, one of the other famous uh, institutions of, uh, of Warsaw at the time uh, we're moving along to the interwar period. Was was right after World War One. A a very unique yeshiva was built, known as the Masifta of Warsaw. This is an initiative of the Ger Rabbi Imrayemes, who wanted there to be a central yeshiva. He has his chassid, who I mentioned in an earlier podcast, um, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Kasher. Another one who was involved in that was Rameir Don Plotsky, the Kli Chemda, one of the great leaders of of Polish Jewry, a chassid, I believe a Sachachov a chassid, I may be mistaken. You know, a lot of this was crossover. Sachachov, Ger, Kutsk, a lot of it was the same. There was a lot of crossover at the time. It was all very similar streams of Polish chassidus. And he was in, also in charge of the Masifta. In fact, his, uh, his, uh, he, he and the Zilberbergs were related. Their children married each other. So these rabbinical families all married into each other. Um, at the time, and they were, all uh, were involved in the Warsaw Masifta. Menachem Zemba, who was already a Rav in Praga, and he was a Gerachasid, was a Rebbe in the Masifta. The Masifta became a very prominent institution. There are quite a few yeshivas in, in Warsaw. There was, was not the only one. There was Yeshiva Teres Chaim, that Rebbe Chaim Brisker's son, Lord Hirsch Glickson, was in charge of. In fact, one of the Glicksons married a Zilberberg also, 
Um, so yeah, all they all uh, all married in. All the Orser Abanim were all uh, related to each other, making it one big happy family. Um, the Gareba Imrayemus wanted that the yeshiva should not only be prominent and have people like the Klichemder Mer Dan Plotsky in charge, giving it the prestige, one of the biggest Lamdanim and biggest Tommy the Chacham in Poland. But, and he in fact, his, uh, uh who was one of the founders of Agudas Yisrael in Poland, also under the direction of the Gerebbe. So he made two trips to the United States. One was in regards to Agudas Yisrael, which was shortly after World War I. But his second trip to the United States in 1924, 25, 26, in the early, uh, mid 1920s, uh, I don't remember exactly when, he, he, it was shortly before he died though, it was on behalf of the Masifta of Warsaw. It was a a a fundraising drive for this uh, great yeshiva. Now the Gareb wanted it to be accredited by the Polish government, so he had to have a secular studies. So here the Masifta of Warsaw also had to have a general studies program, which brought out the ire of the Mincha Salazar, Reb Chaim Lazar who was far away in Hungary in Czechoslovakia in the interwar period, and he was very opposed to the idea that there should be secular studies in a great yeshiva, and he went out against it. The problem was, is that since it was under the auspices of the Gareba, then uh, it didn't matter if anyone uh, opposed it at that time, but um, but he did. So, the um, this Rebbe Naftali uh, Vershever was a fighter for religion. Again, it's a great uh, urban center of Warsaw, so there's the the modern trends reached the great cities first. This is a changing time, the last decades of the 19th century, the early part of the 20th century, especially the interwar period. He founds an organization in Warsaw called Machzike Hadas and another one called Shoimrei Shabbos. And it's like a story that's told about many, many uh, Torah leaders of the time in many different cities in Europe and America, it almost is like a generic story, but it, they say it about him as well, that he would go around the shopkeepers in Warsaw on Friday afternoon and ask them to close their stores. He was very close with the Chavetz Chaim. In fact, Baron Cutler uh, once met a grandchild of Rav Naftali Zilberberg and said to him, your grandfather was not a Rebbe, but he had many Hasidim, and I myself was privileged to be an emissary um, uh, from the Chavetz Chaim to him about a, an important matter. The Chavetz Chaim would come to Warsaw often in his early years to sell his farm, and in his later years in his leadership capacity in the Jewish people, and uh, and he would very often uh, um, be with uh, this this uh, Rebbe Naftali. Rebbe Naftali was host to Rebbe Baruch Ber, Rebbe Chonon Vasterman. He was close with with pretty much everybody. He even spent some time in Eretz Yisrael, so he got close to the Chaim Zonnefeld, and his grandfather, the Zayas Ranan's uh, student, Reb Hirsch Michal Shapiro, who was one of the great uh, tzaddikim of Yerushalayim, and and he um, the idea is, and uh, and this is also about Rebitzer Grzynski, who I mentioned, and other people at that time, is that Warsaw was the capital, and everyone passed through there, and everyone needed to do things there, or either fundraise, or stay over there, or government-related activities. All kinds of things, medical treatments, anything. It was the center of Jewish life. And these people were in the right place at the right time. They were communal activists. They were, they were well connected. They were uh, Talmudical scholars. They were well known. They were Paiskim and Alacha. They were Talmud Chachalim. 
and they and they and they were like an address to know when you came to when you came to the great capital and uh, and you needed to get things done. Uh, there was many other people at the time that were similar. Um, there was um, um, uh, one of the famous words, Rabbanu Ravramsi Perlmutter, who was uh, one of the last ra- great rabbis in Warsaw during the interwar period. There was there was the the there was there was uh, one of the community leaders at that time also was Ramnasen Spiegelglas, and he was the second Ramnasen Spiegelglas. The original one was one of the first uh, Hasidim to become a Dayan in Warsaw. He was a Dayan in Warsaw for over fifty years in the in the eighteen hundreds, and his grandson and, and namesake Ramnasen Spiegelglas was one of the wealthiest Jews in Poland. Um, he was he was a he was a Hasid a Hasid, and he. During World War One, when real estate prices tanked, so he and a group of other uh, investors, his father and his friends, they bought up downtown Warsaw. They bought up every building and 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 all around. And when Poland gained its independence at the end of World War One, and now he, he and real estate in Warsaw just sh- you know started to skyrocket during the early 1920s. He became one of the wealthiest people in Poland. And he also had a yeshiva. He was a big balchesed. He was uh, killed in uh, in Treblinka uh, during the during the Holocaust. So Rabbi Nelson Spiegelglas was uh, was there also. The the Warsaw was the center of all the Jewish political parties. The center of Zionism during uh, during the interwar period. The Mizrahi used to have their conventions there. The Marcheshes, Rabbi Chanuk Heinich Egish, the Dayan and the Vilna Bezin, together with Rabbi Chaim Eisergrajanski, was the head of. The Mizrahi would go down to Warsaw quite often for all types of meetings. There was another Valazhin uh, alumnus, excuse me, Rubitzlik Nissenbaum, who was the head of the Mizrahi in Poland, who lived in Warsaw, was also killed in Treblinka during the war. Um, the head of the, the lay, lay, layman, head of the Mizrahi, was a character named Heschel Farbstein. There's a street in Yerushalayim named after him. He was quite a controversial figure, but all the the, all the secular Zionist parties and the Bund, and and uh, and not only the Jewish political parties, but it was also the upper crust of Polish Jewry who was already assimilated, who were speaking Polish at home, who were already non-affiliated with the mainstream Jewish community. That was the upper crust of Warsaw Jewry. So you have this very very diverse uh, Jewish community in interwar. Uh, Poland. It's not just Gerach Hasidim. It's not just Zionists. It's not just the Bund. It's not the Yiddishists. It's 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 a real a real uh, mix of um, of of factions within Jewry, and that's what made it a a very exciting situation. By the way, one of the Zilberberg descendants through that Pittsburgh rabbi that I mentioned is the Tzvi Meyer Zilberberg, the famous Mashpia in Yerushalayim. So Warsaw uh, Hasidus continues today in Yerushalayim. Ironically, right down the block from Rehov Zayas Ranan. So this was Yehudi Geber with uh, Jewish history soundbites, a bit of a taste of um, Warsaw Jewry. And you can uh, reach me at ygebss at gmail.com for questions, comments, sources, tours and trips to places of interest in Jewish history. I remind you that this episode was sponsored by generously sponsored by Callaway Capital a boutique firm for all your commercial mortgage needs to discuss debt, equity, or chas v'shalom, a workout of an existing loan in this turbulent time, call 732-232-6212 or email david at callawaycap.com.
jewishhistorysoundbites.com. You can subscribe to Jewish History Soundbites on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter at jsoundbites, and I hope you enjoyed.